Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Authors at a Glance, Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me, as always, is my co-host, Shawnee. Hi, Shawnee. Hey, Bridge. How you doing, girl? I am doing good. I'm excited to talk to Amanda Boucher, who is the author of A Promise of Fire, which is book one of the Kingmaker Chronicles. And she lives in Paris, France, you guys. She's pretty fancy. Super fancy. Very excited about this. And also, we have our producer, Jane, on the line. Hey, Jane. Hi. Hello, hello. So as you guys know, we're doing fantasy romance all season along. And I was pretty excited about A Promise of Fire, not only because our dear friends on Instagram recommended it. Thank you, everyone. But also because it had a magic-wielding lady who starts her journey in a circus. And I was like, sign us the book up. So I was pretty excited when Amanda said she would come on the podcast and chat with us about all things books, all things sex, all things romance, and give us a little insight on the story. Yes, I, I really enjoyed her a lot. She was very candid, and I really feel like we should take a trip to France now, Bridget. I, I feel like we have research to do there. We have authors to meet. Um, you know, are you picking up what I'm putting down here? It's a reasonable job. Picking it up. Picking it up. Let's leave these kids at home. Let's get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I'm just saying we got to go to Berlin anyway, and it's a hop skit from Berlin. So I'm just, I'm just gonna put that hop out there skip. now. You know, wrap your brain around it. Short term, right? <laughs> Very short term flight. My brain has been wrapped, and I'm ready to go. Nailed Let's it. This shit popping. Let's get it popping, y'all. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. So your book was recommended to us by a bunch of our fair friends on Instagram who like to help us choose our books every season. And oh, cool. uh, Jane read me the description and was like, there's a circus magic. And I was like, sign us up, Jane. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it's right up my alley. Um, oh, cool. Do you have a special place in your heart for circuses? Like, is that something that you ever went to or it just sort of worked for the setting? No, it just works for the setting. And honestly, the circus is not a big focus of the book. Yeah. We we leave it pretty quickly. So that was more of a plot catalyst. That was where Kat, the heroine, is when um, this, this whole story, this part of her life story begins. So she's there. She's pretending to be a soothsayer telling people's fortunes and futures. And, and there is some truthfulness to what she does because she can read into people the, their truths and their lies and, and then sort of guide them along. But she's not technically a, a fortune teller or anything. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and she's just sort of laying low and hiding out in the circus. And that's really just a starting point for, for this part of her story that I tell. I um I liked how you set the the scene of like the different countries and you were like it's so easy performing in the southern continent they're all standing there going wow and I was like that's me every time I see magic I'm like what is happening <laughs> that is me I am exactly. the kid who's like looking at the kid on a trapeze and I'm like look at him go <laughs> <laughs> yes there's a sense of wonder and and that helps me set up the the magic system too, where some people have it and some people don't. So the people that don't are of course in awe of these, these, you know, fabulous tricks and fire and all the, all the magical abilities that the circus performers have and that they bring to their sort of magic deprived region. Um, We were just 
scrolling through uh, your Instagram and Shani was wondering about the covers, like the US cover versus you were posting a couple of like, it looked like a UK edition perhaps. Like, do you get to weigh in on the covers or do those just come out and you're like, oh, cool, a new edition? How does that work? <laughs> it's a little bit of both. Um, the US covers, I did a lot of work uh, describing the world, the heroine, what she looks like um, from top to bottom, her clothing, weapons, and all of that. And I was really lucky because they found a model that matched my vision anyway of Kat perfectly. And the clothing and everything was actually made in-house for, for the model and for that photo shoot. So cool. it couldn't have... And I have to say, in that instance, the publisher really took into account what I had said, and I felt like it came out beautifully for all all three covers of the the U.S. Kingmaker Chronicles trilogy covers. I think are just absolutely my vision of Cat and her world and her outfits and everything. So that's great. And then the U.K. covers went with more object based covers, which is awesome, also, and they're gorgeous. I can't say that I weighed in very much on them, but that's another sort of step away from me because I'm in direct contact with my U.S. publisher, but the U.K. publisher goes through the U.S. publisher. And, and then we have a, I have a relationship with my editor there now as well. And she just send, you know, here's a cover, but it's more of a, I don't know how much say I would have, but luckily <laughs> I've, never had, I've never said anything because I think they're just fabulous. And the covers for Night Chaser and Starbreaker, also the, the U.K. editions are just... Gorgeous. I love them so much. So I haven't had to, I haven't weighed in because they just are presented to me and are gorgeous anyway. And then I have German editions of the Kingmaker Chronicles, which are really cool too. I don't know if you saw those, but they, if you put the three books together, they form one picture sort of in a long, a long picture. Oh. You have the first book, you have cat, half of Cat's face. And then the second book, you have the other half of Cat's face and the first half of Griffin's face. And on the last book, you have the other half of Griffin's face and then like the scene behind them. It's kind of like a misty gray Greek temple type scene behind them. That's and, cool. Uh, I'll have to check that one yeah, out. Yeah, it's really cool. So. I, I, I'm interested to know because I spend way too much time on TikTok. And, <laughs> and uh, there was a girl I was watching yesterday and she was talking about the French translation of Harry Potter and how it really changed the, the feeling of the book. Right. And mm -hmm. she was she was explaining how there's no real word for a wand in French. So they use baguette. Um, yes. And she said they only specify. Yeah. So there was like a ma like a magic like like a, a baguette like pan like or a pan for like bread. And then like yeah. a baguette magic. But she said they only specified the second part of the word kind of at the beginning of the book. And then they just called it a baguette from then on. So, uh, so she was talking yeah. about how, how she, you're some whipping people, out your loaf of bread, <laughs> your loaf of bread, you know. And she said that uh, there was a certain play on Tom Riddle's name that they couldn't, that they had to do an acronym that matched the acronym in the movie. So they had to change his name. So they had to make his middle name Tom Elvis, like um, some like. And then they, the last name was kind of cool, but she was mm -hmm. like, so it just gave us all this impression that it was like that Elvis Presley. You know, and I, I found this hilarious <laughs> and I was, and so when you were talking about the German edition, it just made me think like, you know, who, 
who's in control of all those editions that go out and the translations and making sure those translations are like as accurate as possible to, to the original book. I know. Well, I mean, it's the publishing house. They have, they either have in-house translators or they hire freelancers. I'm, I'm not sure what the German publishing house does, but I mean, I don't speak a word of German, so I have no idea <laughs> it, whether I would be truly happy with the translation or not, which I'm kind of glad about. I don't want to know. And my book should the Kingmaker trilogy should be coming out in French sometime fairly soon. I knew there was, I know there was a deal, but I haven't had any follow-up information on it. So I, I don't know when, or, you know, if it was, con- the deal was concluded, I think so, but I, I don't have any information. So I'm absolutely certain that when those books come out in French, I do not want to read them <laughs> because I don't want, I don't want to know if I'm not happy with it. I would love to know if I'm ecstatic with, and it's wonderful and, you know, perfect. Then, then of course I'd want to know, but I think it's too much of a risk to, to read it when you actually understand the language. And yeah, I'm really nitpicky. Also, I'm super particular about all the words I choose. And I, that's why I'm such a slow writer. I have like five books and that's it because (laughs) I mean, more are coming. I'm almost done writing the the one I'm currently writing, but I'm just so slow at writing because I just, I mean, I can look at a sentence for an hour and just kind of fiddle with it and stuff. So I don't want to know about yeah. translation. I want them to happen because that's wonderful. I want to open up to new markets, but I, I don't want to read them myself. <laughs> I, under, I understand that that sentiment because like editing video or especially like music videos, I can edit a music one music video for the next 10 years easily because mm-hmm. once you do it through once, then you're like, you're going frame by frame sometimes to catch things like perfectly. And I had a friend one time tell me like, give it a couple passes and then let it go. Just shoot it out. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I have trouble with that myself. So I understand. (laughs) So hard. Yeah. I don't let, I don't let the the books go easily. I'm like, no, let me work for another, you know, five years. Then you can have it. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) I can make this better. Right. Do you feel like it's getting like, like you said, you were like learning how to write with those books that you never even published or submitted. Do you feel like now that you're five books in, you like are more confident in the the actual writing of it? You're like, okay, I got to kind of handle on how to do this. And, and it's going not faster necessarily, but like, maybe you're not having to go back and edit as much because you kind of are. I think there are more things that 10, I 10,000 hours, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> There are things that I do catch now as I'm writing that I didn't necessarily catch before. Not not in terms of typos or something like that, but more like just tightening up a bit as I go rather than well, the thing is it's hard to it's hard to say because as I reread and and rework, I expand. I always get bigger because I'm adding detail, I'm adding emotion, I'm adding depth, I'm adding all sorts of stuff, but I'm also tightening at the same time when I see things that are extraneous and unnecessary. Overall, it ends up growing, but I think that there some of that tightening happens earlier than it used to. Otherwise, I don't, I mean, I would hope that I'm learning and and each book is easier in certain ways. I think I can tell when things aren't working faster, maybe, mm-hmm. and fix them before I've dug myself into a hole and have more work to <laughs> fix it things like that that's the worst when you wake up and you're like 
what did I do yesterday? I just went on a real, real sharp left. That's really not fitting. And I got to just rein it all back in. (laughs) We cut out all those tangents on the podcast. I'm like, Shawnee, we took a 30 minute ride into crazy town. We should save that for our patrons. (laughs) Not everyone wants to hear us talking about that. Um, Shawnee, I don't know if you, uh, know this but shawnee exclusively listens to books at this point and certainly Mm -hmm. for our podcast um Mm -hmm. did you get to choose your audio narrators or weigh in on the voices or i guess it would be one voice i don't know i don't listen so i don't actually know if it's one voice it's probably one well i think if i'm trying to think back if i recall correctly i was given yes the option to weigh in but basically i was sent here's the narrator that we chose. Is it okay? And I was, you know, brand new debut, debut author. So I said, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I didn't have, (laughs) there weren't even like, there weren't even two people to choose from or three. I couldn't listen to three different people and then say, well, I think this one fits best. It was just like, here she is. What do you think? So, I mean, I said, okay. And um, I don't know. People have said that they liked that. I have not listened to anything but the um, samples. But people have said overall, they think the narrator did a good job. I think the Kingmaker narrator even gets better as she goes along. Maybe understands the character better or something. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you think so? For having Yeah, and, I, and in general, I think that happens. Because um, so I used to produce uh, audiobooks. And just like as you're understanding the character, also as you're sitting into the, the voice of your character for longer periods of time, you start to like just get the flow of that. So a lot of times it'll start off slightly more stunted, uh, but as the books go on or even that same book progresses, you'll hear that narrator just get, uh, sit back in the cut of that character. And it's Mm -hmm. a different, it's like a, I only know how to describe it with music, which is like, it's called swing, which is like the, that the the drum is not exactly dead on the perfect beat, but it's on this Mm -hmm. nice, this swing, this groove. And that, and that happens. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that because I, I didn't really want to listen. I, I have it in my head my own way, and it, I think it would make me unhappy to hear somebody else. <laughs> um, but I know that audiobooks are super popular, so I'm so glad that's out there. And, and from what I've heard, it's, you know, pretty good, and, and people are happy with it. And then the Night Chaser narrator, I don't recall having a choice at all, but from what I've heard, I was really happy with that. And in Starbreaker, book two of that series, they even did a dual narration with a, a, man, a man and the same woman who did the first one. And I haven't listened to any of that, but I would, I would like to. And I, I'm pretty sure it, I would really like it. So, um, but again, I, I don't listen to audiobooks. I don't have a subscription anywhere. I don't have audiobooks because I don't commute. I, I walk here and there around the city and... And I actually prefer to read and I like silence when I'm working. So, um, so I, if I had a subscription with Audible or something, I would so have listened to all those books. I would rather listen to the books than read a translation, for example. But even then I feel a little, I feel a little weird about it because what if they didn't pronounce the character's name the way I liked or thought it was or things like that. So I like to take a step back from the audio, but I'm so glad that they're there. And I know it, you know, it, the way people discover my books too. So I'm happy about that. 
Yeah. But we always I, laugh because <laughs> when Shawnee's listening, like obviously they pronounce it. And sometimes like the author is very like sends in a exact pronunciation guide for characters, names or proper names or whatever. And sometimes they don't. So sometimes like I'll come into the podcast and I'll be like, oh, it's pronounced. And she's like, who's, what character is that? And I'm like, the main character. Who are you talking about? What book are you reading? And it'll be like, that's completely different. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, well, J.R. Ward was our big one because one of the characters was, uh, it said N-O apostrophe O-N-E. So I said that it was no one. And in the thing, they pronounced it no or something. Yeah, no And I was like, it only makes no-own. sense yeah. if it's no one. It doesn't make sense. It's it known. The whole character. Yeah, you're you're totally correct because the character was such yeah. a like a kind of belittled, like beaten down person that it made sense of her name yeah. being no one. But it yeah. wasn't. That was also the series where like there's a big emphasis on hip hop in within the series. And so the narrator says, you know, they went down the street bumping Tupac. And I was like, oh, Tupac, I forgot about that. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that's a hard one. <laughs> Well, just one more thing about the pronunciations. That's where I stopped listening to my first series when uh, I heard, for me, it's Cato. And I heard Cato. And I was like, I have to stop right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know anything else. And uh, so, I don't know. You probably think of him as Cato. And I think of him as Cato. No, I said Cato in my mind because... Uh, I'm from the Midwest, but my dad's from uh, Rhode Island. So that's the pronunciation that's in my mind. I was like, Kato? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm yeah. Kato. <laughs> yes. See? <laughs> uh, but you, it's uh, like, so over the weekend, so I've been, I just started running Facebook ads for my music. And I provided the like a clip of the music video that I wanted them to do. And so they made this beautiful ad before, but they needed to tweak it. So instead of her like uh, like hitting me back and saying like, hey, can you just make some adjustments to this video and resend it? She decided she was going to edit the video herself. And she threw these like flowers in the background of the video and like did some sort of whatever and then made the video, made the ad live. Like she didn't send it to me and like oh, no. asked me. And who is, I, who is she? This is somebody at Facebook or? Uh, no, no, no. She's just an independent ads person who does Facebook oh. ads. Okay. And so, you know, it was, so we've been working together for a while. So I guess she just thought we had a rapport so that she could make it live. And it was like the weekend when she's like the, like five, like four fifty nine on the, on Friday, right before she sent it. Um, oh, no. And so I was, I just sat at the computer, like, what did you do to my work? <laughs> like, what, <laughs> like artists know you don't change anything about another artist like work you know and yeah. uh and so for the whole weekend I just like stewed I sent her this email I'm like this must calm down oh that's terrible <laughs> so I'm imagining it's got to be the same feeling of <laughs> hearing Kato and you're like no 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 <laughs> well, no in the scheme of things that's pretty minor if, if the rest of it's good but it, it's funny because the same the same company did both my series and audiobooks. And for the second series, Night Chaser, I had several emails and even a phone conversation about pronunciation. And for the Kingmaker books, nobody asked me anything. And I was, again, a debut. I didn't know to maybe say, hey, listen, can we have a conversation so we get some of these things straight or whatever? 
so it just was what it was. So, yeah. and, and I, and it's okay. Like, honestly, if the rest of it is good, that something like that's pretty minor. But for me, it was just like, I have to stop now because I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> because oh, it's just not Kato. Kato. <laughs> It's so it's so bougie. So it changes the feel of the character, though. Like mm. uh, I, d- I definitely know that there was one book that Bridget and I both read, and the narrator changed the experience entirely for me than it did for her. So she read the romance super lo- like lovey dovey. It was great, and I read a bro, like a totally like, hey girl, what's happening? Time. <laughs> like, Totally. And, and Bridget was like, that's not how I read him. He was like this. Know. And when he said this, and I was like, oh, when he said that, he was a total douche. Total douche nugget. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we are reading and we're making it all up in our heads. As the author, I know what I want them to sound like, but a reader could be thinking something totally different. And then the, and, and then a narrator could be <laughs> throwing their own two cents in there and it's yeah but that's fine it's funny sometimes readers ask me how do you pronounce this name or something and I usually say well this is the way I pronounce it but honestly pronounce it however the heck you want just even just gloss over it I mean just Mm -hmm. make it your reading experience we just interviewed uh Grace Goodwin and they're a duo and they have uh this one planet called uh, uh or the Viking planet but they both pronounce it differently one says Viking oh. and one says Viking so, and they're the authors so I just think that that's a pretty funny like <laughs> well you know this I totally get that because okay so the book I'm writing now is a Kingmaker spinoff and it's about Flynn and Jocasta but half the time I in my head I call her Jocasta and half the time I call her Jocasta it's like I don't know just whatever comes out in my head or when I'm saying it <laughs> So even it's pretty minor, but even that, I, I don't know. I haven't decided how to pronounce it. So, so you haven't decided if she's Midwest or New England, essentially. <laughs> do you, when you start a series, do you have everything sort of mapped out at the beginning or do you write the first book and then kind of go from there? Um, it's a little bit of both. And I don't map anything out on paper, really. I sort of keep it in my head because it'll evolve and change. And I don't want some paper looking at me that says, no, you were supposed to do this. So I just, I have big ideas. Um, and I have the big ideas, you know, big plot points, which couples are going to form, that kind of thing. But otherwise, I just kind of go where the characters in the story take me. and they. I usually know the beginning where it starts and I know how it ends and maybe something major that's going to happen in the middle. And that's about it when I start out. But as the series, like this book that I'm writing now has helped me figure out what I'm doing for the rest of this spinoff series, because whereas the the original trilogy was Kat, she was the only narrator and it, it wrapped up her story really to get her where she needed to be. The rest of this is, it's also an, a new story with a new overarch, over, overarching story arc. But this time it'll be from different couples as we go along. I have at least three, maybe four, maybe more books um, planned. So I have to make the whole story go over those amount of books, but each one will be told from a different couple's point of view. I'm not planning on doing you know, three books for each couple. 
Gotcha. And I'm doing dual points of view this time also. And I've written it in the past tense. Oh yeah, I totally flipped everything on his head. So I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing dual points of view, third person, past tense. Whereas the first original trilogy was just cat, present tense, first person. So when I went to this new sort of setup for the spinoff series, I made that choice. But who knows? Maybe the next book I'll be like, this has to be in first person, present tense. <laughs> who what, knows? What made you do the, uh, the dual points of view for this one? For me, the original trilogy was really Kat's story. And it had to be told by Kat. And everybody else was secondary to her experience. Even Griffin, who was a huge part of it. But this, I wanted it to be more of a, should we say, classic romance in the sense that it's the hero and the heroine are equally important. Their journey in this book is equally important. And I wanted to give them equal page time and equal perspective and points of view. That makes sense. So that's, that's what I did. And then in terms of choosing past tense instead of present, I don't even know. It's what came out. So there it was. I, I, I feel like past tense must be the more predominant. It is. Tense. I've had maybe it's subconsciously I did it because I've had a lot of complaints about present tense. People just don't like it as much. So maybe that's why I did it. People complain about everything. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Is they like, always I'm, if they want to complain, they'll find some. But I don't. I don't follow rules. I'm. I'm not like. Well, I started this book back in. 2012 and I have to do the same thing now you know 20 years 10 years later no if, if I just do whatever feels right for that book and those characters and my Night Chaser series too I don't know if you've read or listened to that but the first book is first person one narrator just the heroine and the second book is first person I believe present tense still but dual points of view because the male character is more established in the book at that in the series at that point so the first book is really her point of view and oh no he does get he gets like maybe 20 percent of the point of view time in the first book and in the second book it's more like 50 15 mm. and i'm I sure people like, are like what is she doing but it was <laughs> it was done on purpose because it was my signal that he's now an established part of this group you know it's not just her anymore it's her and him uh, okay i like yeah. this well, I'm not sure <laughs> that I ever notice when something's written in past or present tense. Oh, I, this is your equal opportunity reader. <laughs> yeah, like, like I don't think we've ever even talked about that on the podcast. I don't. I've I never. Know, I honestly don't. I think this might be our first book that's written in present tense. Because I think most. I think I would say the majority of books are written in third person past. I would, I would think at least in like the romance genre, that seems to be a very typical. It's crazy because I've never he thought said, about she it. She said, just like never thought about it. <laughs> but maybe that's not right. Maybe we'll have to do an audit of our books and maybe we yeah. just never noticed. And maybe we got a whole bunch of present tense books. And we just never, I, I just kind of figured, maybe you and me just don't care. So we don't we care. <laughs> but also like I'm, when I'm reading the book, generally there's a certain kind of set of rules as an author is presenting. And the tense is mm -hmm. that thing. If you're speaking in present, the entire book, I'm not going to feel anything I'm different notice, speaking yeah. the past the whole right. book I'm, you know that's just like i'm not telling you what ink to write in like that's not <laughs> yeah. that's that as long as you don't break the rules of your own world that's yes. our big complaint as long as the rules are consistent then everything else we're, we're I'm there for the ride, the ride. <laughs> and it's it can be really jarring when 
when an author forgets that they're writing in the first person present tense and they and then something pops in in the past tense or vice versa. So yeah. that that's something to be really careful of. And it, in in editing, self-editing before it gets to the major editing process, I don't think I've ever had it happen then, but in self-editing, I've sometimes caught myself because I had done the Kingmakers books in present tense and I did Night Chaser in past tense. It was still first person, but it was past tense. And I was still in the mode of writing present tense. So every now and then I fell back into it by accident, but I, I caught that on, you know, on rereads. Yeah. But when I caught it, I was like, whoa, oh. really? <laughs> Whoopsies. What are you doing? <laughs> oh, Amanda. Okay. We've gotten to the part of the podcast. It's very serious. Very serious. Oh, we got to talk about so sex. Serious. We got to, to, to talk about sex. <laughs> so we're always curious when writing sex scenes, right? If it's like how much sex, how graphic the sex, if you're ever like, whoa, whoa, I really went too far with that sex. <laughs> like what drives and what drives the sex mm-hmm. in your books? Well, I love the tension, the romantic tension. So um, getting to the sex is really the fun part in the first book. So, so Kingmaker is a trilogy and it follows the same couple throughout. So the first book is really about the buildup. And then there's the payoff towards the end of the book. <laughs> and so the sex in that is really solidifying the relationship. It's the characters deciding to commit to each other and the cause that they're fighting for as a team and as a couple. And then book two, sometimes I actually think there's maybe a little too much sex in book two. <laughs> but I That's was like, what we like to hear. These, <laughs> these, these, these two are finally together and they're living all these like super like intense experiences, life and death battles and everything. And so, I mean, it, they're just, you know, every chance they get, they're... <laughs> They're running off to have sex because they're solidifying their relationship. And, you know, they finally got to that point and now they're really enjoying it and each other and discovering this whole aspect. And it's, of course, making their couple stronger also. I mean, and and then there's so much else going on in the other (laughs) stuff going on in the book, too. It's just crazy. And then the third book, we're really getting to the point where, you know, it's the end of the story and we we have all this stuff to wrap up and there are at least two, two set major sex scenes, but beyond that, it's, it's really more about, um, you know, they're already a solid couple now and it's about connecting really on a deep emotional level, but the, the plot and what has to happen and everything, you know, kind of like in the first book, it's the buildup. And in the last book, you're already there, but there's so much other stuff going on. So the sex has to be satisfying, but plot and the, and the story itself is really important too. So I don't know. Does that answer the question? It does. <laughs> I, I, it does. And, and we'll, we have to say it's really hard to write too much sex. Like it's very, it's, it's got to be super, super gratuitous. And even then. Yeah. <laughs> even then. Stop. Well, I don't think that, that that would count for my book then. Because... <laughs> There is kind of a lot of sex in book two, but it's like a 450 page book. And if you add up all the pages where there's actually sex on it, it's it's not that much, but it's, it's very, it's 
all throughout, you know what I mean? So yeah. it, it might feel like too much for some readers, but for other readers, they might be like, woohoo, this is amazing. I love sex. So <laughs> yeah. We are those readers. <laughs> Good. That we are those readers who are like, woohoo. <laughs> Do you I I'm, this is like totally off the randomness, but um I was thinking about this a couple of days ago. Like, so in real life, when you get together with somebody you've had all this tension with, you go bunny for yeah. a while. You know, that new relationship energy is just on fire. So it makes sense that in book two, they're like, yo, let's do this. We waited for this. It's, it's game time, you know? And, uh, but I'm, I'm wondering, like, in general partnerships, right? Does that, is there like an ebb and flow to that, right? So you have like that whole thing where it's like bunny energy. And then you go, it like, that calms down. You go into that, like, like a steady relationship energy. But then I'm finding these waves of, like, of that bunny energy again for like these bursts of time. And then is that like a thing that, that just happens normally <laughs> and stuff? I don't know if I've stayed, I don't know if I've stayed with anyone long, long enough, enough to, to get really back know. Um, <laughs> well, I think that was my mindset on it also. Like they're finally together and woohoo. It's like, we're just, you know, we're in the bunny phase. And I felt like that reflected reality also. So just what you're saying. Like you're finally together. It's amazing. You're discovering how right you are for each other and how awesome the sex is. And so, yeah, book. I and also for me, I wrote these books over a long period of time, so it didn't feel that intense to me. Maybe if I reread it now, and it was like, and I reread, I read all three books in like five days, I might be like, wow, that was a lot of sex, but. <laughs> At the time, it just felt like that new relationship, bunny, 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 this is, this is awesome, let's do this type phase. And I thought that was pretty realistic, to be honest. Do you have any books that you're reading like right now or just in general that are, you're like, everyone has to read these romance books, fantasy or otherwise? Oh, well, I can definitely talk about books I love and authors I love. Honestly, I am not reading very much at the moment. It, I don't know what it is, life stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I used to read probably two books a week and now I'm reading like, it, it'll take me weeks to, to finish a book. And it, I'm assuming it's not the book's fault. I'm thinking it's me, something about me and my life at the moment, but I'm still, uh, I still do, you know, chug along on books and I read a lot of fantasy and romance. Let's see the, the last book that I was like head over heels in love with was, uh, by Maria V. Snyder. And it's her, uh, the first book is called Navigating the Stars. And it's kind of a a mature YA sci-fi space opera adventure with a nice dose of romance. And it's a trilogy. I think it's Navigating the Stars, Chasing the Shadows, and Defending the Galaxy. And I adored all three. And I, I love Maria V. Snyder's work anyway. And, but those are like a cut above everything I've, I don't know, just that's, that's a real standout in the last couple of years. Awesome. We'll have to, we'll link all that as you know, dear listeners, so that you guys can check those out. I also really enjoyed Jennifer Estep's new one, which is Capture the Crown. It's a spinoff on her last fantasy trilogy, which was um, Crown of Shards. And now this is the Gargoyle Queen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I read those. Ah, you did. Well, this spinoff. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Yeah, they are. The the, trilo- the Crown of Shards is really good. And this spinoff, uh, Capture the Crown, is the first book. I liked it even more. And I already loved the other ones. It was just like, it had a touch more romance. And of course, that 
sung to to me. It made my heart happy. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want you to know that it probably is just the stage you're in in your life because we are moving into a new house. I'm currently sitting on the floor in what will become my having a chair office uh, for recording, but currently no office chair. So I'm on the floor and yeah. I haven't been reading very much in the last few weeks because I have nowhere to like sit. Like literally I don't have a comfy spot to sit and then thinking like, oh, I'm going to sit here for four hours and read a book. And you're like, what on this uncomfortable couch or on this uncomfortable floor? Like it's mm. not going to happen. So yeah. it could just be like your mind is spinning, a lot of things going on. It'll come back. It'll I hope so. Cause I was such a reader. I mean, always. And part of it also is I would read at night and I'm way more tired than I used to be. Maybe that's age or something. But mm. um, I used to be able to read for an hour, an hour and a half at night and stay up late. And now I don't last. And also my daughter, who is eight now, has taken over the bedtime reading. Instead of me reading to her, she reads to me. And she does a great job, but I end up falling asleep. Makes me so tired. Makes me so tired. They read so slow. And you're like, hurry the fuck up with the story. God damn it. We're on page one still? Yeah, I, I totally... I get tired reading to my kids and my husband, when he reads to my kids, when he's reading, will fall asleep reading and they're, right. they're still, and they're like, daddy's asleep. And I'm like, it's been 10 minutes, but he can't do it. So that's happened to me too. So but now she's the one who wants to read. And, and every now and then I'll hear mommy. And I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I just make this groan I'm still here, but I'm really not. I'm listening, listening. My and eyes are closed. Course, I'm focusing on the story. You, when when she finishes, you know, her chapter or whatever, I just turn out the light and I go to sleep because I don't want to wake myself back up to, you know, read a book. So I think that's a big reason I'm not uh reading much lately either. And another reason, and this is my own fault, I have to learn to control myself. I was, I never used to spend so much time on social media. Mm. And over the last two years, I would say that instead of picking, picking up the book, I'll pick up my phone and I'll scroll on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and now TikTok. I've even started there and I'm like, oh my God, this, this is just eating up my life. Yeah. And and that is eating a huge chunk out of my reading time too. Like I just had, a, I was on the train. Um, my kids and I just went to Brittany for vacation. We went to my friend uh, Adriana's house. She's an author too, with also with source books, um, Adriana Anders. She wrote Whiteout, you might have read or heard of. It's excellent. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love all her books. Anyway, we were at her house for a week and it's a three and a half hour train ride. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to read. And guess what I did all the way there? <laughs> I was on my phone. And guess what I did all the way back? I was on my phone. So it's my fault too if I'm not, you know, getting reading in. All right. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on our show. This has been so fun to talk to you and get to know a little bit about you you and your books. And (laughs) and we really appreciate you coming and hanging out with us for an hour. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed it too. Well, tell the people, uh, what's your favorite way for people to find you? Just your website or Instagram? What's your... Um, yes, my website is just amandaboucher.com. Boucher is with the T. Um, and then on Instagram, I'm 
Amanda Boucher author, I think. On Twitter, I'm author A. Boucher. And on Facebook, I'm Amanda Boucher author or the other way around. Basically, I'm always Amanda Boucher author. I'm easy to find. Uh, I'm definitely most active on Instagram. Awesome. So I'd love to see people there. And if you're on TikTok, Please come follow me. It will maybe encourage me to. Oh, yeah. On TikTok, what is it? It's again Amanda Boucher, author, something like that. I can't remember if the author's in front or back, but it'll encourage me to make more videos because I kind of gave up. I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know how many views is good or not, but it, this is it's a little difficult for me. So I need a little encouragement on, on TikTok. Awesome. Well, dear listeners, that's all we have for you today. Until then, may your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.